0: welcome to faith
1: baptist church great village where we believe in the truth of the gospel building of community and engaging in the mission of christ we hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from god's word hey church family how did you fare through hurricane lee do you have power yet let us know in the comments let us know if there was any damage to your property or things you need help with and Maybe your life group can jump in and help you in upcoming weeks with cleanup. I was talking to Steve this weekend. We were talking about Hurricane Lee, and we were remembering Hurricane Fiona. A lot of us have been talking about Fiona last year, right? Last year, our fall series, the Stuffed Campaign, um, all about stuff and what really matters, it was interrupted that launch Sunday by Hurricane Fiona. And now here we are this fall, 2023, kicking off a fall series and it's interrupted by Hurricane Lee. So I don't know, maybe we're starting a tradition, um, but we are putting together this pre-recorded content because we didn't get to gather in person yesterday uh, because of the power outage and because of the conditions of the storm. So today... We're kicking off our fall series, All About Family. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I want to give you a few announcements as we begin that we really don't want to miss. This coming Sunday, September 24th, uh, Steve will be continuing our series on family. And then we're going to have a shared lunch. And then we're going to get into our members meeting at one o'clock back here in the auditorium. And we would love to have you there. If you're a member, we definitely want you there. If, if you're not a member, you are welcome to come and to observe and to see how members meetings go. And all of the documentation has been sent out to the members via email. And Thanksgiving is on the way. Can you believe that? Uh, We have a Thanksgiving special offering coming up. Fall Festival is the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, the 7th, and then Sunday the 8th. We're going to be talking about our special Thanksgiving offering. Every year, we have two Sundays that are selected where we give the special offering away to certain projects. And uh, of course, our Benevolent Fund is always included in there. And talking about benevolent We have five woodchucks that have been organized, that are in talks, in the planning phases. Uh, One has already taken place this fall. But if you're interested in helping out with woodchucks, we have a woodchuck this week. We have one scheduled next week. If you've got a strong back, you want to help out, um, just let us know. Reach out, write in the comments, fill out the Connect card, get in touch with us. We would love to have you involved as we really practically serve as the hands and feet of Jesus right here in our own community. So our fall series, here we go. You ready? Your family, your church and the world. What comes to mind when you hear the word family? What do you think about when you think of family? Maybe you get the warm fuzzies, right? Maybe you get this nostalgic feeling. Maybe you can taste the sour memories of family. Maybe there's a a disconnect between your family as it is now and your family as it once was. Maybe you're drawn to the good old days and you just want to go back. Maybe you're living the good old days now. Maybe family is a stressful term for you that makes you think of busy schedules, lots of bills, endless energy, or lack thereof if you have young kids in your household. Maybe your family is what you dreamt about in younger years, but maybe those dreams have long faded and reality has set in. What is it for you? Maybe family brings up painful memories, broken trust, bitter regret. Maybe the term family causes you to think about raising kids in this crazy world, and how do you do that? Maybe family for you sounds like Thanksgiving will soon be here and we get to have the whole family. Or maybe for you, it sounds like, oh, Thanksgiving is almost here. Why did we agree to host the whole family? Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) In this series, we want to discuss some of the practical things that affect your family, your church, and the world. So in a series on family, where do you begin? You know, if you meet with a psychologist, maybe you want to begin with the childhood traumas in your past and unearth those and deal with them so that you can find healing. But in in a sermon where we base it on scripture, maybe we want to jump back to the Garden of Eden and what we often call the first family, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and we're going to talk about them through this series. But I think we'd be jumping the gun. If we were to talk about Adam and Eve, we've got to go back even further, even further, before the first family. We need to start with the one who created the first family. So let's jump back to the book of Genesis. If you've got your copy of the Scriptures, you can turn back Genesis chapter one, and we'll look at verse one. "In the beginning, God. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Isn't that a thought to build your life on, that in the beginning, before the beginning? There was God, God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you have God and you have the spirit of God in the beginning at creation. And then in verse 26 of Genesis chapter one, then God said, Listen to the pronouns that are used here. Let us. God didn't say let me. He said let us. God's not talking about himself in third person. God is talking with himself and using plural language. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. He's not saying me and my. He's saying us and our Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. When I was a kid, I thought that verse said, creepy thing that creeps on the earth. (laughs) I don't know if I ever had any nightmares about that, but it's the creeping things that creep on the earth. God is discussing the creation of humanity with himself using plural language. This points to the trinity. The fact that the God of the Bible exists eternally present, three persons in one. The Father, the Spirit, the Son. Perfectly united, magnificent three in one. So let's talk about the Son. God, the Spirit involved in creation. But what about the Son? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, The firstborn over all creation, Jesus is God in the flesh, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus put on flesh. Verse 16, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, that includes everything, were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Jesus is preeminent over creation. The son of God worked in unity with God, the father and God, the spirit to create everything we see to stamp his image into our design. He holds it all together. He is before. He is through. He is creator of all. It is for him. The triune nature of God is on display throughout creation as he creates the first human beings. God's very nature is communal and creation points to an eternally relational God. You could say it's the family business, Jehovah and son and spirit. Have you noticed each day of creation has this theme of pairs, like opposites attracting, relating to one another? On day one, you have light and dark. Day two, you have space and earth, water and land, plants bearing fruit according to its kind, the sun, the moon, The stars, fish of the sea, birds of the skies, fruitful and multiplying according to their kind. Animals, fruitful and multiplying according to their kind. Humans, people, male and female, go forth and multiply. Creation speaks to the the familial, communal nature of God. The unity, the community of the Trinity, these are essential attributes of who God is. You cannot take these characteristics away from who God is. He is father, he is son, he is spirit. The fingerprints of family are all over the creation of God. Family begins with God. Can you say amen to that? That's where it begins. That's where we need to point back to when we begin the conversation about family. That's where every conversation should begin. With God. In particular, I I really want to dive into the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Now, names are important, aren't they? And you've probably heard it said from this stage multiple times that in Hebrew culture with the Israelites, names were really important. They were more significant and held more weight than names do today or names seem to do today. One of the Ten Commandments is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's how important names are. That's how important the name of God is. Names meant something. Family names were important, especially in a shame and honor society. Whose name do you carry? Now, there there are several names used throughout scripture for God. There's Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh, Adonai. The Lord, my God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the almighty one, the holy one, omnipotent, omniscient, he's omnibenevolent, he's all loving. Terms and characteristics that represent the very nature and attributes of who God is. He's the creator, like we just read. He's the sustainer, sustainer. he's the deliverer, he's my strong fortress, a tower when I, I run in for shield and he's the buckler. We're under the shadow of his wings. We're under his mighty and strong right arm. He leads his people out. Holy, just, merciful, righteous. Our God is a consuming fire. There are all these titles and names and characteristics and attributes of God. But what I find interesting is that Jesus clearly had a favorite name for God. Can you guess what that was? Out of all the characteristics all of the titles, all of the terms for God, Jesus used one title more often than any other title throughout the four Gospels. It's Father. Father. Jesus referred to God as Father well over 100 times. A book that I'm reading by Louis Giglio called Seeing God as a Perfect Father, he says 189 times. Jesus referred to God as Father. Father. Why is that significant? Well, let me give you some logic. If you want to know about somebody, ask their kid. <laughs> if you want to know what somebody's really like, check in with their kids. Ask them because they have a front row seat to who dad, who mom is like at home when nobody else is watching. You see, if you ask my son what daddy's like, he will have some personal information, whether he chooses to share it or not, it's his prerogative, because he has a personal relationship with his father. You see, to my son, I'm not just the pastor. I'm not just the guy who speaks with a microphone on the stage. I'm not just the guy in the grocery store. I'm not just the neighbor down the street. I'm not just the guy driving the white car down the road. I am dad. He has a personal relationship with me. He has a personal knowledge of his father. If we want to know who God is, scripture calls us to set our eyes on Jesus. What the son of God has to say about God himself, this should be the most important truth about God. And Jesus constantly presents his view of God with the title, father, 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 How did Jesus teach the disciples to pray? You remember the Lord's Prayer? When you pray, you can say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is Father. And Jesus points something else out in that prayer. God is not just Father. He can be, through Jesus, our Father. I want to read John chapter 17, starting in verse 6 with you. Jesus says this in verse six, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me. They have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. I've given them the words that you gave me. They have received them. They have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Then jumping down to verse 25. Oh, righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. Why? Because Jesus is God's son. I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now these are these are beautiful scriptures. This is the prayer of Jesus in the garden the night that he was to be betrayed. And we're going to look at that again towards the end of the message. Jesus came to show us the Father to give us his name so that we can know him so that we can Know that the father gave his son so that we can know the love of a heavenly father for God, the son. So that we can know the love of a father for you and me. Jesus came to show us the love between the father and the son. Jesus came to show us the love of a parent for his child. Yes, the creator. Yes, the God is holy, righteous, just, merciful. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. But Jesus came to show us that God is father, our father. Here's why this is so key. We tend to view God as an authority figure based on our own experiences with authority. Either positive or negative. Maybe he becomes the parking ticket guy in the sky. And he's just waiting until your good behavior meter drops too low. And then he's going to slide a ticket under your windshield. Maybe we view God as just based on our own personal experiences with justice. And maybe God becomes like a really busy legal system who maybe doesn't have time because your case is too petty. And we think God doesn't care. We naturally view God as provider based on whether or not we feel like we've been provided for and we view God through the other providers that we've had in our life and really important for today's discussion. We tend to view God as a father based on our own personal experiences with our own fathers and father figures and the men in our life. We tend to see God through the lens of our experience. I've talk to people who've been deeply wounded by their father or by father figures or by other men in their life. Trust was broken, selfishness and pride left deep wounds. Maybe there's still a yearning for approval and acceptance. When we hear Jesus celebrate God as father, maybe there's a part of us that cringes because maybe our view of fathers has been marred by the men in our life. Maybe you were blessed to have a good dad. I was blessed. I am blessed to have a good dad. Maybe your dad tried hard to raise you right, to spend time with you, riding bikes, throwing stones. Maybe your dad taught you life lessons, how to drive, how to work hard, how to treat people with respect. Maybe you had a dad who would take you on vacations, take time off work, make extra memories with you and show you love. These experiences are just a small taste of how much your heavenly father loves you and wants to spend time with you and invest in your life. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to Thomas, as he's talking to the disciples and Jesus is preparing to leave them and he's giving them these comforting words and Jesus says, we don't... Thomas says, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? And then Jesus responds in verse 6, John 14. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then get this part. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. The implication being because you've seen Jesus, because you've seen me. Jesus came to provide a way to the Father. Jesus came to show us the Father, and Jesus came to provide a way to the Father. We talk about a relationship with Jesus, and as much as that is true, Jesus came to provide a way to serve as the bridge between where we're at and where we God is. Each one of us was separated from the father by a deep chasm of our own sin. And the death of Jesus on the cross provided the payment, the redemptive cost, the price that had to be paid to pay for our sin. And his cross serves as the bridge to God, the father, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus' mission on earth is to show us The Father, to give us the truth, the life, the way, the opportunity to know him. To experience the love of a father, a perfect father, our heavenly father, Jesus' father. So let's dive into their relationship. We've got some time left. We want to see um, what Jesus came to invite this world into. What is the relationship like between God the Father and God the Son, his only begotten Son, Jesus? A father's words are important, aren't they? Maybe many of us have been living under what our fathers spoke over us. Either acceptance, approval, and belonging. Maybe shame, neglect, regret. How heavy are a father's words over a child? Here's here's what God the Father had to say over his son. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin, John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold. It's the Greek term gnosko, See this. See this with your mind's eye. Imagine this. The heavens were open to him. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Just revel in those words for a bit. You know, if you've been part of a church family, if you've been a Christian, if you've been somebody who reads the Bible for a long time, you've read these words. But think about it. This is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. Well pleased. What did the father announce about his son? What did the spirit approve of by his presence resting upon Jesus at Jesus' baptism? There's approval. There's acceptance. There's delight. There's Celebration, there's pride, the pride of a father. Love. Jesus, you are my beloved son. I love you so much. I am so pleased with you. Now, you might be a parent who's thinking, yeah, but that's Jesus. He's the son of God. I could never speak that over my child because have you seen my child? <laughs> Approval, delight. Let let me ask you this: What had Jesus accomplished prior to his baptism? Speaking in earthly terms, you know, we celebrate Christmas. Jesus grew up, Joseph and Mary. Uh, there was the time in the temple, but then we don't know a lot of his early years. He grew in wisdom and stature. What had Jesus actually accomplished prior to his baptism? Had he healed anyone? He hadn't turned water to wine yet. Had he called any disciples yet? Remember his baptism was to mark the beginning of his earthly ministry. So he hasn't done preaching and teaching and parables. This all took place after his baptism so why is God approving of the Son before the Son has any time to perform his earthly ministry? It's because Jesus is God's beloved Son. It's their eternal relationship, their communal value as Father. And son, God wasn't sending his son into the world to prove himself. God was sending his son into the world to reveal himself, to show himself and his love to the world. The father speaks over the son again in Matthew chapter 17, very familiar words and similar to what we just read. It's at the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples witness Jesus' clothes become dazzling white, and Elijah and Moses are there present with him in a great light. Matthew 17 and verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then God the Father adds this Listen. To him. Did your dad ever send you out to do a task as a kid, only to come out a few moments later and say, You're doing it all wrong. What do you think you're doing? If you want something right, you got to do it yourself. (laughs) Have you ever heard those words? (laughs) Well, the father has perfect confidence in his son, his beloved, to carry out the mission for which he was sent. Moses represents the law and Moses is there present for the transfiguration and Elijah represents the prophets and between the two of them, they represent the whole Old Testament. But Jesus doesn't just represent God. Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a salesman trying to twist your arm to see that God is what you need. Jesus is a son. And he's putting on display his relationship with his heavenly father as what you need. In times past, God spoke in various ways. Through the law, through the prophets. But the Bible says in recent days, God has spoken through his son. In these last days, God has spoken through his son. Have you experienced a similar blessing, an approval, a a word that is spoken over your life? Acceptance? from your earthly father? Hebrew culture places high value on the blessing of the father, the inheritance, the birthright. You remember Jacob and Esau fighting over the blessing, the inheritance, the birthright, the father's words, the father's blessing. In John chapter 17, the night before Jesus is crucified, this this is where we referenced earlier on, He's praying in the garden as he often did. He often spent time with his father in desolate places on his own, crying out to his father. But on this night, the night that Jesus would be arrested, falsely accused and tried, crucified and killed. Jesus is talking to his father. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but thine be done. You remember these words, John chapter 17 and verse one. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence. With the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now there's too much to unpack there. There's a lot more reading and a lot more discussion that could be done on those verses. But I want you to think about the collaborative relational mission and work between the father and the son. Their shared glory. Their joint mission. Jesus accomplished work and his return to the father. Did you catch that last verse? Let's read it one more time. And I want you to think about this. Verse five. And now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Family existed before the, the world existed. The son was glorified in the presence of the father before the world existed. Do you see what Jesus is longing for? The night that he is to be betrayed and arrested and falsely tried and crucified, buried in a tomb. Jesus is longing for that time, that joy that's set before him when he will be in the very presence of the glory of the father. Just like the presence and the glory and the fellowship and the community that he experienced with the father before the world began. Can you even fathom that before creation, before in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth before that the son was delighting in the presence and the glory of a close relationship with the Father. Family existed before the foundation of the world. This is where the conversation on family needs to begin. With a perfect Heavenly Father and a relationship with His perfect Son. Their joint mission, their shared work, their shared glory. That's the glory that Jesus shared with the Father before the world existed. This is where family begins. And God is a good Father. And that's the song that came to mind. So I want to lead us in that song, if I could. Good, good Father.
0: I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like And I've heard the tender whisper of love In the dead of night You tell me that you're pleased and that I'm Never alone You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am searching for a i to love by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, cause you're perfect in all of your ways, you're so perfect in all of your ways, God you're perfect in all of your
1: God is a good, good father. And no matter what your experience has been with earthly fathers or what comes to mind when you think of family, Jesus came to show us the father. Jesus came to provide us a way to the father. And you can experience the love of a perfect heavenly father through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the father Except through him. Would you join me as we pray? We close this time together. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for who you are. You're a good father, you're perfect in all of your ways. Even though so many times we experience pain and hardships, we have broken trust and broken relationships, and there are all different shapes and sizes and situations of families these days. God, you are a perfect heavenly father and you sent your only begotten son so that we could know you and our relationship with you, not just as our creator, but as our father can be restored through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for this deep truth. Thank you for this time spent in your word and considering your family. God, thank you that you invite us into your family. You give us the right to be called sons and daughters of God. You adopt us. God, we thank you so much for that great privilege. We praise you, God. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.